He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Jim Woodward is back today along with Taylor Williams. I am Sam Humphreys with you. And guys, I know this is a golf show, but before we start talking about golf, I have one of my all-time worst football watching weekends uh this past weekend if you remember i was on the sports animal last monday t-dub and woody and i guaranteed two things i said that the osu cowboys would cover the seven and a half point spread now we'll get to that game in a second but i also guaranteed that the Minnesota Vikings would beat the Dallas Cowboys. Now, that was before Justin Jefferson had turf toe. I probably wouldn't have guaranteed it if I knew that. But still, it was just an all-time bad weekend of football. And T-Dub, can you please explain to me how Mike Gundy and Spencer Sanders just become a shell of themselves in this Bedlam game? And Woody did not second-guess this. He first-guessed this. Sam, be careful betting on Oklahoma State. You know, the Bedlam game's different. You know, they choke like a dog in Bedlam. He texted me that before the game. Woody did. And so Woody was right on the money. And Tita, what the heck happened this past weekend? From an OU fan's perspective, it's absolutely beautiful to watch. I mean, it's just (laughs) every single year, Gundy does the same damn things. He just looks like he just said a complete shell of himself. He just... Like a little crab on the beach, just girls back up in the shell whenever a little storm comes in. It's like, oh, I don't want to deal with this. It's horrible. And Spencer Sanders comes out, those three interceptions the first quarter or whatever it was. And and I'll say this, too. From an OU fan's perspective, I, I don't know of a situation where I, we could have won this game and covered the spread. And it could have been any more disheartening. I mean, we're up 28 to nothing. Look like we should have won by 50 points. And we did everything possible, Woody. To, to let OSU back in the game. And somehow, by the grace of God, OSU only got 13 points on this horrible defense. It made no sense to me, Woody. Woody, get this stat. You know, obviously, I'm kind of rooting for OSU in the game. And OU punts or turns it over 12 straight drives and still covers the spread, Woody. What were your thoughts? I mean, my goodness. Boy, you know, if you ever remember that song, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. <laughs> well, that's OU when they play OSU. Uh, OSU, I'm telling you, I tried to warn you, Sam. I did everything I could, but you don't understand what it's like to be a cowboy, boys. You wonder why we play great golf? Because we learn that failing is no fun by watching our football team. Okay? So we just become hardened to watching that. I, I I told you guys I couldn't wait for him to go to the SEC. And the only person happier than me is Mike Gundy, I would hope. Uh, I, I, I want you guys gone out of my life. I don't want to watch you anymore play football except against the Alabamas and everybody else. I told you on the earlier time we were talking, I said, if we've got to play them again, which, Sam, you told me we have to next year, which I'm really just Probably going to have to play him one more time in Stillwater, Woody. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be in Tibet where there is no, no, no <laughs> internet. There's nothing. I don't want to watch. I do not want to watch. Or I'm going to, I'm going to take some morphine that night and go to bed early. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I don't want to watch it again. I can't do it. 
Now, now, guys, I will say, now, T-Dub, do you have any final thoughts on the Bedlam game before we get to some golf? I know we're a golf show, but a lot of people around here in the Oklahoma area will, will enjoy this content. You know, I feel like I could go on forever just about the horrible play I saw for my Sooners the last three quarters. But I'm going to have some optimism, and I'm going to say it seemed like it was a pretty big weekend for the recruits on campus, so hopefully we'll get some more people commit. But the highlight of it, Sam, let's just rewind the clock back uh, 365 days to where we were at. We, we had just lost Bedlam, lost two out of three games. Our coach leaves for the evil, evil empire out on the West Coast. And it looked like the program was going to be done and shot. And That's you right. know what? Going six and five a, or whatever. He left a year ago today. Yeah, right, exactly. And, you know, to think we fast forward a year later and we think, oh, we're six and five. Okay, well, that probably is like the world's ending. But there's a little bit more optimism. Let's just say I feel like there's more optimism today than there was 365 days ago because the whole world of football was crumbling in at that point. No doubt hey, about Sam, it. What, what's up, Woody? You, you guys remember one thing. When Riley left you all, and I thought that was the biggest kicking-ass move I've ever seen in my life, mind you. But it's like making double bogey. You guys need to remember, forget him. Forget it. I don't even know who you're talking about that happened 365 years ago. <laughs> I didn't even think we won. And for some reason, I was still thinking we lost that game, too. It's just a mindset that an OSU Cowboy gets. But forget him, boys. It's a double bogey. I don't even know the guy exists. You guys need to have the same attitude. There we go. I, I always need Woody as my therapist. I probably need a therapist after watching that football this weekend. I was wrong about everything football related. Now, T-Dub, the one thing that I was right about was picking John Rahm to win the DP World Tour Championship, and we'll get to him in a second, but I want to start at the RSM Classic where Adam Svensson wins by two shots over Callum Terrence to hit the gala and the favorite Brian Harmon. Uh, but Adam Svensson, T-Dub, on the greens in the final round, gains 4.21, just putted the lights out of it in the final round to win by two shots at 19 under Callum Taren, Sahith, and Brian Harmon, like I mentioned, at 17 under. And uh, T-Dub, if you, meant, if you remember... We had Josh Creel on the show along with Michael Gellerman uh, back last year, and, and we asked Josh Creel who the best driver of the golf ball he has ever played with, and he mentioned Callum Taren. So maybe that's a name we might see on the leaderboard in contention a little bit more often. I think you're absolutely right, and that's some of the great insight we can get from some of the great guests and interviews that we've had on the show. And you know, just to highlight uh, Adam Svensson's play that he had this week. It was just, you mentioned his putting, especially in the final round, gaining 4.21 strokes. But for the whole tournament, or at least the three of the four rounds where they calculated strokes, gaining, gained 3.08 on the greens. That was almost a full shot above every single player who made the cut this week. The, the next highest was David Lingmer, who finished 10th. So, absolutely great play from Svensson. I, I never played with, with Adam Svensson, but I played in a lot of the same tournaments as he did. He played at Barry College, which is down in Florida, a D2 school. And he just has an absolutely phenomenal swing, a swing that never breaks down. Look at the numbers. He seems to gain strokes uh, approach almost every time that, that he tees the ball up. So uh, I don't know, Woody. I feel like Adam Spenson's a guy that we're going to keep watching for a long time. Still only, he's, I believe he's going to turn 29 years old next month. So I think he's got a lot of good golf ahead of him. I agree. And and what we see is what I told you guys. I love this two-tier in a lot of ways that this tour is kind of turning into I like watching these last tournaments of the year. I didn't watch them just like religiously, but the reason I like watching them is because I knew nothing about this young man that won. Nothing. 
and watching him play a few holes and especially watching him play the last three when the tournament was on the line. Um, I, anytime somebody shows me that kind of gut and heart, I'm, I'm going to be pulling for him. I think he's going to be one of these guys that isn't going to be in the second tier for long. He'll get in the top tier before you know it. Yeah, and guys, I want to ask both of you this question because it, it's one of those questions that I don't really have the answer to, and if anybody had the answer to, uh, it would be worth its weight in gold, but I will ask it, and guys, Adam Svensson is just thrusted into contention, a place that he's not familiar with on the PGA Tour. Uh, you know, he's been on and off the PGA Tour, was on the PGA Tour in 2019, and then went back to the Corn Ferry Tour. His last win was actually at the Nationwide Children's Hospital Open on the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, but ever since he's been on the PGA Tour, he has like a, a solo sixth at the Barbersaw. Uh, last year, he finished tied for ninth at the Honda, but he doesn't have a top five on the PGA Tour. So all of a sudden, you have the lead of a PGA Tour event, and you have all these foreign feelings going on, T-Dub, and everything feels different, and you get the job done really the first time you're in contention on the PGA Tour tour how did he do it well i think the biggest thing i took from it sam was as we mentioned about about his career really he's gained shots gained strokes gain approach every single year that he's been either on the pga tour or in the corn Ferry tour in his first i believe six years out on tour he, he didn't just lose strokes gain putting he lost a monumental amount the lowest or the best putting year he had his first six years out he lost 0.66 on the greens that's more than half a shot uh, each round he plays so i think what really helped him sam was already being a good ball striker being able to have his putting going on this same week gave him more confidence going in because he knew that he didn't have to fire at every flag. He didn't He didn't have to put a whole lot of pressure on his iron game because he knew his putting would at least save, save him from time to time. He knew he was able to, to also be aggressive on the longer putts because he could make the, the, the three and four footers coming back without any hesitation. So, Woody, I think for him it was necessarily that his ball striking has always been there now that his putting was good on the certain times that he's playing good, I think is what gives him the confidence uh, to play as well as he did. I agree totally. And and what you guys got to remember is for years, you didn't really come out of college and win golf tournaments. You just didn't do it. Uh, you had to kind of learn how to play. And he's a perfect example of that, Sam. I think even though he hasn't been in the hunt, in his mind he has because just making cuts, and being able to stay out there and being competitive. He's gotten a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. And when he got his opportunities, I think he was more ready than we think. He He's had a lot of failures, so he's had some times to learn from it. And uh, I think that's what you'll see with a lot more guys than the other guys that come out and are winners right away, like a Morikawa and a Spieth and – some of these younger guys came out run one right away. Most of the other guys have to have some, uh, oh, I don't know, get a little more ice in their veins and get a little bit more hardened before they can actually win one. No doubt about it. And speaking of coming out of college onto the PGA Tour, Cole Hammer finishes off his solid week with a 65 to end up tied for fifth, a little backdoor top five for Cole Hammer. And what that does for him, if you remember from the uh, the star at Texas, what that does for him is that gets him into the Sony Open in January. Um, and so, guys, how big of a deal is that? That's something, if you look at a leaderboard, you might not realize, you know, nice tied for fifth finish, but it really kind of sets him up uh, for his special temporary status. It absolutely does, Sam, 100%. This is 
something that we, we kind of talked about this with PJ Tour U before, right? It's like, yes, they're given some status when they come out, but there's still a lot of pressure whenever you get out there to succeed, not not just throughout your career, but succeed immediately so that you can get this status like Cole Hammer has. So it's absolutely crucial. I will say one thing, just looking here at the analytics, uh, th- this was one of the only tournaments that, that he's had strokes game counted where he's gained strokes gained around the group. So I, I feel like he, he's, he's not as bad at, at chipping in and liquid as like a Victor Hovland was, but it definitely seems like something, uh, Woody, that, that, that could hold him back going forward because his iron play seems to be there. He's just so streaky with his putter. Seems like he either puts really good or really, really bad in each tournament. So, but, that, but that's pretty common for a 23-year-old, to say the least. But I don't know, Woody. I think that his short game may be hindering them as much as it is a positive for him to get this nice start into the Sony Open. Well, well, the other guys are going to go home, you know, and take a few days off, a few weeks off. If I was Cole Hammer, because he's got a real chance, if he can go out and play really good and feature another top ten in the Sony, he can get on a roll and go from having no status at all to all of a sudden being in, in tall cotton. So he needs to spend November and December before Sony comes around practicing his little fanny off because he's got one shot to me. If he goes out to the Sony and say misses the cut, even though that top five was big, he can't build on it because he doesn't have really any status. So he needs to go practice real hard over the holidays and be ready to go when that Sony comes around. That's all I'm saying. No doubt about it, guys. And last week we talked about the DP World Tour Championship at the Jamera Golf Estates. And we mentioned about five or six guys here. We mentioned Rom, Hatton, Norin, McElroy, Fleetwood, and uh, Fitzpatrick. And those were the top six guys on the leaderboard, guys. The top seven guys on the leaderboard. It finishes just like I read them off. John Rom at 20 under, Terrell Hatton, and Alex Norin at 18 under, Rory at 16 under and Fleetwood and Fitzpatrick at 13 under. Now, Fitzpatrick kind of had this golf tournament in the palm of his hands and shoots 73 on the last day, and John Rahm shoots a 67 on the last day to finish at 20 under and clip Terrell Hatton and Alex Noren by two shots. But I feel like I kind of predicted this tournament exactly how it was going to go. I picked John Rahm to win. I picked Terrell Hatton to have a great week this week. And uh, we talked about the other guys at the top of the leaderboard. It just kind of proves how top-loaded this field was, T-Dub. A hundred percent. It was, Sam. You were exactly right on, on John Rom. He just had an absolute stellar week. I mean, it was just solid all around. Then get off to the best start with, with two under, but then he goes six under, seven under, and then five under his last three rounds. So definitely came in, came in guns blazing the final three rounds. Matthew Fitzpatrick pretty much led this tournament for all 54 holes and then shoots a solid one over in, in the last round, having three bogeys and, and a double bogey. So yeah, he definitely shot himself out of it. But, but Rory did really what he needed to, in all honesty. He, he, he was my prediction to win the tournament. He didn't do that, but he did win uh, the season-long points race uh, for the DP World Tour. So that was a definitely very financially incentive. So, I mean, him winning the FedEx Cup and now the, the DP World Tour finale, it's uh, one of the best seasons that, that we'll have to remember, in all honesty, of the last probably two decades. Maybe one of the best seasons in, in, golf, in golf history when it's all set down. And maybe, Woody, one of the best seasons that a player ever had to not win a major in in that year because Rory just played so well from really the start of the year till now. And uh, it's definitely something that Rory, I feel like, is going to look back on this year and say, man, I played really, I played way too good not to win one major. That tells you how hard it is to win a major. That's what's so 
I, I just, I don't know. Sometimes I think we think the majors, ah, yeah, he's going to go win one. No, not necessarily, because I don't know if anybody played better golf than Rory McIlroy did this year. I mean, week to week, the guy was unbelievable. And did you read the quote? He said he's never felt like his game was in a better position than it is now. He, he feels like he's playing the best golf he could possibly play. So 23 is going to be really interesting because John Rahm, at any time, John Rahm can line it up. So, um, you know, 23 is going to be really fun to watch. I, I can't imagine how we go through 23 and Rory not winning a major this time. But you just don't know, guys. They're hard to win. They're real hard to win. They're very hard to win. And Rory McIlroy, you know, last year or two years ago, I should say, you know, he couldn't get off to a good start in the majors. And then this past year, he would get off to a good start, like we saw at Southern Hills, have the tournament in the palm of his hands, and then have a terrible Friday or Saturday, and then kind of backdoor a top five or top ten on Sunday. It just seems like Rory has one bad round per major. And to me, guys, I know I'm being pessimistic here, but I got to see it before I pick Rory McIlroy in a major. It just, it's been too long. It really has. Going back to 2014 PGA Championship in Hall, that's how long it's been. He's been in contention so many times. And the one he's really going to regret that got away was last year at St. Andrews. Seemed like he had that tournament in the bag. The media had definitely given him the tournament before it started. Then Cam Smith goes out there and just beats him. It is really what happened. Rory played a don't-lose type of mentality, and Cam Smith went out and did it. So, But I don't know. Just even going back and looking on the on the tournament, it's uh, he, he shot 71 in the first round this week at the at the DP World Series. So I mean that that was a and Rom was able to win coming back from shooting seven uh, under the or, or I'm sorry uh, shooting two under in the first round. But looking at Rory too, he made six bogeys in, in his first two in the first two rounds, Sam. And I feel like that's something because the course isn't going to be set up as hard as it will be on the weekend. It's still not the most difficult course in the world, but still those are the rounds where you need to not necessarily you need me making a lot of birdies to get out and leave, but you don't need to be making a lot of bogeys and setting yourself back. And that's what Rory did this week. And I think that's a small, uh, really epiphany of what uh, his majors have been like over the last uh, last five to ten years. Now, Woody, I don't know whether he's going to have less or more distractions off the course next year. I think that is still kind of uh, the jury is out on that. Um, but I will ask you this question. Rom or Rory, more majors next year? I think because of what we were just discussing, even though I feel strongly Rory can win one, he's got scar tissue. Eight years, 2014, T.W.'s right. I, I, I didn't know it had been that long, T.W. I knew it had been a long time, but, it, you know, there's a lot of scar tissue there. John Rom has got such an attitude. <laughs> I just don't – I don't see him going a year without winning one. I got a feeling I think they're both going to win one. I think one will win one week and one will win another week, but I'm not sure which ones. But I think they're both going to win one. How about that for a call? And then, T-Dub, I got to ask you about the other three guys that have been playing really solid golf. Hatton has definitely – his data golf ranking is way higher now than his uh, official world golf ranking. And then we've seen Fleetwood get a win. And Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, has been one of the most consistent players on the PGA Tour. Of those guys from the U.K., is is there one of those guys that you might see kind of breakthrough? I know that, obviously, Fitzpatrick won the U.S. Open last year, so that was kind of his breakthrough win. But, you know, just – 
as far as being an elite guy that we talk about in the conversation with Rom and, and Rory and uh, some other guys up there, do you think that Hatton, Fleetwood, or Fitzpatrick have the have the guts to do that? I don't know if they have the, the, the minerals to get into that upper echelon of guys. I think each one has something in their game that, that holds them back in particular. And one, the main thing in particular is none of those three guys hit the ball as far as, as those other two do. And I think that's yep. going to be something that, that transcends them, especially Matty Fitz. He's gained some distance over this past year, and I think that's really what propelled him to play a lot better golf because he didn't lose any accuracy while he did it. Um, but but the, every one of those guys just doesn't not able to overpower golf courses um, like the other ones. But I will say this. All three of those, all three of those players you just mentioned are from England, and I think they all have pretty solid years because they're all going to be gearing up for the Ryder Cup coming up. And if those three keep playing as they have, Sam, I, I think it's going to be fairly tricky for the for the U.S. to uh, to get a lot of uh, to get what they're not going to be as strong on paper comparatively where they were at Whistling Straits as they will be next year in Italy if all those guys keep playing as strong as they have. And then, Woody, I got to ask you about Alex Noren. And Alex Noren is a guy that we talked about last week when we did our Bedlam draft that a lot of people forget went to Oklahoma State. And he's one of the most consistent players around the world. And, Woody, I got to ask, why is Alex Noren so consistent? What do you see in his game uh, that makes him one of the more consistent players uh, in professional golf? What I liked about your little, all your all picks, although you didn't even give me a you know, even a nod. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll get to that after the break, Woody. We, we, we after the break, we got to get your thoughts on that. But, but just Alex Norton right now. Okay, well, Alex Norton. If you look at his golf, it just his golf swing. It's not all that to write home about, but it's consistent. It's something he's built. But if you look at his bulldog attitude, I mean, you want to talk about a grinder, boys. This guy can grind now, and he when he's out there, he is focused. He is wanting to beat your ass. So I think that's what makes Alex Norton, Alex Norton, such a, a, a competitor. And, and he's going to be he's going to be tough when Ryder Cup comes around because I, I'll be shocked if he didn't if he's not in their top echelon that he didn't pick by by Donald. So. I see that more than anything about him. I, I don't like. I, I don't really like his game that much. It, it doesn't look that all that impressive. But I boy, I love his attitude. That's a, that's why I think he's a winner. No doubt about it. And T Dub, I got to ask you about Rom's quote. Uh, this came out right after we finished our show last week. He sounded off and said, "I'm going to be as blunt as I can. I think the OWGR right now is laughable." laughable and then he went on to say the fact that the rsm doesn't have any of the top 25 guys in the world and has more points than this tournament uh than this event where we have seven of the top 25 is laughable now do you agree or disagree with john rom 100 percent agree I, th- I think it is laughable i think this is uh this is what is a consequence of, of the initial rankings there, there's pros and cons from it right it's like you think about it on paper and you say Okay, well, maybe the field that has 80 more players than the other one should should maybe have a stronger uh, strength of field. So I think with the way that the points are calculated, it, it just proves that it's 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 too weighted in, in that other way. And like I, I wrote the European Tour for years before they changed the system, that some of their lesser tournaments would give it would have a minimum of uh, of points that they would give to the winner. So you'd have guys who go out and win some some no name DP World Tour event, and they jump 40 spots in the World Golf Rankings when they didn't hardly beat anyone. 
But but even looking at the uh, the points this week, Sam, on the OWGR, the, the, the field rating, and this is different from when we used to do strength of field, so it's a little different, but this just shows how, how discrepancy in the points are. The, the, the field rating at, at RSM was 215, and the field rating at the, the DP World Tour was 121. That's, I mean, that's almost twice as much. And, and the points won. Adam Svensson got 37 points for winning. John Rum essentially got 22 points for winning. And that's absolutely ludicrous to me. I think at worst the two events should have been on the same playing field. But I think anyone who plays golf, if they could say, would you rather win the DP World Tour Championship or the RSM? I think ev- almost everyone would pick the DP World Tour, would they not? No, you're absolutely right. And Woody, to me... There's a common ground here that we have to kind of see. And right now, the, these PGA Tour events, like you called it earlier, JV PGA Tour event, um, you know, are getting more points than tournaments like this. And now I understand that the DP World Tour Championship, it was probably, I don't know, easier to finish in the top 20, uh, but it's it was definitely harder at the DP World Tour Championship to win because you had, like I said, the top of the leaderboard. Rom, Hatton, Norin, McElroy, Fleetwood, Fitzpatrick. I mean, it's tough to beat those guys. And so as far as getting giving points to the winner, I think it was harder to win the DP World Tour Championship than the RSM, even given the fact that the if you ca- calculate the whole field, um, you know, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And I think we're splitting hairs here and, it, and we're coming down to the time that we have to take a look at the OWGR, uh, whether it be with Liv. The funny part about this is Liv isn't even in the conversation, Woody. I understand that world ranking points have become almost as big a joke as OSU trying to beat OU at Bedlam. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous to me. I mean, I, I saw that where the guy that won, the, the points won at the, the RSM was twice as many almost as what John Rahm, I, I just laughed. I said, why do you even have a ranking like this if it's this screwed up for a better way of saying it. It's just a mess. They got to, they got to rewrite the whole system at some point. No, they absolutely do guys. And let's go ahead and take a break here on the 73rd hole podcast, the official podcast of golf Oklahoma. And if you aren't already following us on Twitter and Instagram, that's at the 73rd hole on Twitter and at 73rd hole on Instagram and hit that like and subscribe button on Apple or Spotify. That really just helps us out. And Woody, before we go to break, why don't you tell us about our friends at Quail Creek Bank? Oh, my guys at Quail Creek Bank are looking forward to the holidays. I was talking to the, their owner the other day, and he's excited about the holidays and all the different things they've got going on at the bank. The economy is still good, guys. Loans, small business loans are still available. There's there's all sorts of things going on at the bank. Interest rates going up, but everything's still moving forward. So if you're looking for a bank with some optimism, uh, Quail Creek Bank's that bank because they're still out there really moving and trying to get more and more business. So 122nd of May, that's where they're located. Family-owned, Oklahoma-owned. It's a bank that has been here for 50 years. Go see what you can find out. They can maybe do something for you. Quail Creek Bank, it's one for you. 
No doubt about it. And after the break, we'll get into Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Reed, and we'll get Woody's thoughts on our Bedlam draft that he was not here for last week. So stay with us here on the 73rd Old Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof. It is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. And we are back here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. And speaking of Oklahoma, guys, last week we did our Bedlam Draft, which was basically drafting 12-man Ryder Cup teams using either Oklahoma Sooners players or Oklahoma State Cowboys players and uh, golfers from the past. And Woody, you were not here for that, but... We sent you our list, and I'll read off these lists for people that did not hear the last show. T-Dub had Bob Tway, Anthony Kim, Willie Wood, Ricky Fowler, Todd Hamilton, Bo Van Pelt, the Edwards brothers, Alex Noren, Peter Uline, Greer Jones, and Andrew McGee, and I had Scott Verplank, Victor Hovland, Charles Howe III, Matthew Wolf, Abe Answer, Taylor Gooch, Morgan Hoffman, Hunter Mahan, Doug Toole, Quade Cummins, Bob May, and Charlie Coe. Now, Woody, do you have any thoughts on whose team? The first question I'll ask is between those teams, if they actually played a Ryder Cup match all in their prime, who do you think would get the nod? Oh, wow. To me, what's amazing is you guys could come up with these off the cuff. I mean, I know you didn't study this. Right. You just got there and started naming names. Shows you how strong the state of Oklahoma is because when I look at these lists, I, I got to tell you, in their prime, in their prime, it's a dogfight because you guys have both got really strong guys in the, in the middle of the pack. You've got some guys that are maybe not all that down there at the bottom, like Bob May. Bob May had a pretty good run, almost beating Tiger, which he should have beat Tiger at Valhalla that year. But, you know, Tiger Woods just, he was uncanny how could win. Um, Greer Jones w- was a really underrated type of golfer that most people would never even know the name, but was strong, really good. So was David Edwards. David Edwards' guys were sneaky good. He won a number of times on the PGA Tour and was straight. Oh, my God. Him and Calvin Pete, I don't know that they ever missed a fairway. So I would say if I had to pick, I'm going to go with the Hoblin and, and uh, uh, Burplank. That's your team, isn't it, Sam? That is my team, uh, yes. I, 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 I just, but I got to tell you, I would, 
it's anybody's guess on those two guys. So I mean, on on those two teams, that's just strong. And and when you guys look at this, I was going to give you some grief. But well, where's Woody? Didn't even get on a mention. <laughs> Woody didn't deserve on a mention. Don't get me wrong. When I when I think of the level of play that came out of Oklahoma State, and especially out of OU in the, in the last few years, even even before the Anthony Kims, um, these guys are so good, so good. Hey, let me tell you something, guys. When I was going to Oklahoma State, you guys will like this stat because you're in the analytics. We won the national championship twice, and we finished second twice. Okay? Unbelievable. Now, that's not bad. Wow. That's pretty darn good. And on those teams, okay, when I was going to school there, there were two guys that made it to the tour and had a big impact. I made it to the tour. I didn't have any impact. And that was Bob Clay and, and David Edwards. Tom Jones was a three-time All-American. Didn't really make an impact. Played a little on the tour, but not much. Jamie Gonzalez, three-time All-American. Didn't even play the PGA Tour that I know of, okay? Lindy Miller, four-time All-American, okay? And he barely made an impact on the tour. Played for just a couple of years is all. So when I look back through all those guys that I played golf with, there were two that really made it to the tour and made any impact at all. Yet we won two national championships in second the other two years. Okay? So it shows you how deep of really great golfers there are and how really hard it is to get to the PGA Tour alone and then to make an impact on it. And you guys, look at all these names you've got written down here. Phenomenal. Oklahoma. We ought to pat ourselves on the back every day at how good a golf we have coming out of this state. Good for us is what I got to say. I'm impressed, though, guys. Love these, love these teams. Love them. Yeah, no doubt about it, Woody. And and one thing that was a little difficult about making the Bedlam list, Woody, is the fact that OU has been – their, their best success, to me at least, has been in recent years. So then you're comparing careers of guys that played back in the day and their careers are over compared to like a Quake Cummins, right? I, I consider like an Eckrote who went to Oklahoma State and a Quake Cummins who went to OU, right? But I had to kind of go the OU route because I had to put someone from the recent years, right? So it's a tough list. It, it, it really is. And I think the toughest question... Woody, and and I, I want to get your thoughts on this, too, is the first question we had was, is Bob Tway or Scott Verplank the top pick? We T-Dub ended up going Bob Tway with the first pick, and I said, I think there's, even though Bob won a major, I think there's a bigger argument there than you might think. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, what? that's like picking two beauty queens. It's not fair. <laughs> I both, know. They're both, they're both awesome golfers, absolutely phenomenal golfers. So, I don't know. You know, is, is Tiger better than Jack? Uh, well, okay. They're, they're, they're unbelievable, both of them. How do you pick one? So, but what, what you guys got to remember is kind of like OU football and OSU football. Not to bring that up again, Sam. I know how happy you are about that. But <laughs> if you go, you guys, if you go to the Santee Center in OU, which is where they have all their trophies and their Heismans and everything else, and you walk around the room, pretty impressive i've been in it and you go oh my well you walk up to oklahoma state's locker room up there at carson creek where it had all our trophies that we won in all those years 
it's the same kind of deal. Yep. So if you like trying to pick, if you got to say, okay, if there was a Ryder Cup in football, find me 12 OU players and find me 12 OSU players, it's the same kind of situation. You could have 50 OU players that were all Americans, all everything, and you might find a dozen. <laughs> you know, you got your Terry Millers, Thurman Thomas's, uh, you know, and, and Barry Sanders. We've had a few, but not like an OU, and that's what you've got with this golf thing. Now, 25 years from now, when I'm dead and gone, you guys do this again, and now you might find it very interesting what has happened. The way OU's building their program, you might find that now you've got a ton of OU guys winning all the money, and OSU not so much. I don't know, but it could happen. I, I do have a question for Woody. My question is, is that, so when I was going through and, and recapping the, the list that we made, Woody, I went to uh, Wikipedia and there was a, there's a, a category there and it's titled Oklahoma, pretty much Oklahoma state golfers uh, to play on PGA tour or something along those lines. And there's a total of 54 golfers on, on this list and, and nowhere to be found is, is Jim Woodward. So my question, <laughs> I got two questions for Woody. One is that, why do we not have a Wikipedia page for Woody? And my second question is, based off of that uh, Wikipedia page, they would insinuate that Woody is not a top 50 player in Oklahoma State golf history. I think that's ludicrous. Yeah. Absolutely ludicrous. By the way, and Tito <laughs> texted us, Woody, after the show, texted me after the show and said, we forgot someone obvious. I said, who's that? Because, by the way, if you didn't hear the last show, we, we gave the caveat that this was all off the top of our head. We didn't compare wins or stats or anything. And I said, who did we forget? And he goes, Woody and I go. Oh no! Monday's going to be a crazy show. Woody's going to be pissed off at us. Uh, not really, no. And and that's why I want you guys to understand. You know, my golf career is uh, nothing to write home about, other than the fact I would I would argue the point until you've tried to qualify for the PGA Tour, don't knock anybody that's done it. And until you that's right. stayed on the PGA Tour for even. As little time as I did, I, I kept my playing privileges for four years in a row. So it, it wasn't like I was a world beater. I had two top five finishes. Uh, my best finish was second at the Canadian Open. No, I didn't win. No, did I scare anybody to death while I was out there. Uh, but I did do it. So it, it is something that I look around and think, well, there's not very, there's very few people that can say they actually played a professional sport at the highest level. So it shows you how good they are at OSU, that, that I'm not even in the top 50. I'm a little disappointed. I thought I was better than that. But uh, it just goes to show you just how doggone good they are at Oklahoma State at producing golfers. They they just they come out of the woodwork out of there, it just seems like. So I've heard a little bit that you all didn't even think of me. I mean, I would have. I <laughs> like I said, it was all off the top of our head, Woody. <laughs> Yeah, I would I would say the one thing I got better than anybody else that came out of Oklahoma State between my PGA career and my club pro career, I'm damn sure in the top fifty in that. There we go. <laughs> Promise. Now, now there Woody, we go. Damn straight. Woody, I gotta put you on the spot here, but before I put you on the spot to make your twelve man team Woody, I, I got to ask, is there anybody that we didn't have on our lists that is just a glaring omission or, or, or maybe even a guy that, you know, might not have even been on a Wikipedia list that, that 
definitely should be on the list. Like I got, I got uh, lectured from my dad that Charlie Coe was the uh, was the last pick. He said he should have been in the top five. So, is there anyone like that before you go and make your actual list? Well, Charlie Charlie Coe, I, I I got to see Charlie Coe when he was a fairly older gentleman that could, but he could still strike it. He he's one of those guys that. Your age would never think of that, but your dad would, because your dad saw him too when he was uh, finishing in the top five at the Masters, runner-up one year at the Masters of Amateur. So Charlie Coe was special. I mentioned to T-Dub that, that Craig Pertz wasn't on either one of your lists, and Craig Pertz won the, the Tournament Players Championship at Sawgrass one year. Um, now, granted, he didn't play a lot after that he didn't make anything after happen after that but i still argue a point that when a guy can win the tournament players championship he's pretty daggum impressive okay so he was one of the ones that i was trying to think of oh you guys believe it or not because i wasn't i just wasn't that familiar like you said sam they're just in the recent years though they started to put out some really good world beaters um you know, other than that, no, you guys did a heck of a job on this list. I mean, a heck of a job on this list. I'm, I'm duly impressed is what I'm going to tell you. So, Woody, I'm going to tie you down. And, and, by the way, you don't have to pick other players than what we picked. You can go based off both of our lists, uh, and I'll sit here and write them down. But you got to make a 12-man team, the ultimate, the ultimate team between the two Bedlam schools here. Well, I think I, I, I'll start with the guys out of OU first, and and I would I would have to tell you, Anthony Kim, had he not got hurt, uh, would have made a very big impact, gentlemen. He was special. He he was one of those guys that until you watched him hit a ball, you didn't realize how good he was. He would be my top pick as far as OU guys from a Ryder Cup standpoint. Charlie Coe would have been my second, believe it or not, simply because of how good Charlie Coe was in his prime, okay? He wouldn't have played Ryder Cups because he was an amateur, but he did play Walker Cups, and he was really good, okay? Todd Hamilton, who won the, the British Open, I would have had to put him in there for sure. I would have put Craig Perks in there just because he won the Players' Championship. Andrew McGee would have been probably – yeah, he would have been kind of probably what guy I would pick, and 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 Abraham answer uh, is by sure the other guy. Other than that, I mean, I love your Quade Cummings. I think that's a that's pretty cool, Sam. But they haven't done anything as, as a pro yet that yep. I can get into the into their bag. Totally like understand. Like I said, it, it just had to be someone recent. You know someone really yeah, yeah. like it was between kind of like Blaine Hale, Quake Cummins, Brad Dalkey, like that group uh, that, you know, won a national championship. And I know Quade was the sixth man for the national championship, but someone recent, you see what I'm saying, Woody? Oh, I, I get it. And, and that's why I say I, I love it. But those other guys I picked from OU actually had history and that they actually have done something pretty impressive in my book. Now, Again, a lot of people go, well, like a Craig Perch or Todd Hamilton. Yeah, they won that big one. What else did they do? Well, they won a big one. Right. <laughs> you know, what else did they do? Well, what did you do there, chicken neck? Or what's, what's your buddy Trey Brawl? Yardbird. Yeah, yeah. What have you done, Yardbird? I always love the guy on the sidelines that's never even played in the uh, Oklahoma City four ball 
Well, what did he do? Well, he won the tournament player championship. Okay. <laughs> yeah, moron. He wins. So don't get me started on Yardbirds. I so, can go all day. So okay. Woody, Woody is Woody. obviously going – now, I don't want to speak for you, Woody, but you're going in no particular order here. You're just giving your OU guys first, not, right? Uh, yeah, I'm just going to OU guys first. The okay. OSU guys, the, the OSU guys that you definitely would want is Bob Clay. It's Ricky Fowler. Um, I'm going to tell you, I would put David Edwards in that group because uh, I just thought David was so solid a, a golfer. Uh, Greer Jones is something I would put in there, even though you know we don't really hear or see a lot about Greer Jones because it was way before our time. The same way with Doug Tool. Let me tell you something. Doug Tool was uh, as solid a golfer as you'll ever want to watch. He was boring. Doug was the most boring individual to play golf with you'd ever see. He never missed a fairway. It seemed like he never missed a green. Okay? He was unbelievably good. I have to put Burr Plank and Hoblin in there. Okay? Because they're strong. They're just two guys that have just done it. I love the Gooch. I love Taylor Gooch. Now, T- but- I mean, now, Woody, let me stop you there. Once you got to Hovland, that is your 12 right there. So that okay, proves well, how hard this list is. Yeah, because I didn't put Matthew Wolf on it. I didn't put Hunter Mayhem, which I think Hunter in his time, when Hunter was on, you didn't want to play Hunter Mayhem either. I mean, he, he played Ryder Cups. He played President's Cups. And I didn't even put him on the team. Shows you how stupid I am. So, uh, I, you guys, this is brutally hard what you're doing here. I'm just, I'm just saying, brutally hard. It really is. T-W, hey, any what, thoughts? What you, yeah, I, I want to ask Woody this question because he brought it up with uh, Todd Hamilton and Craig Perks about how, yes, they win the big one and they don't really do – much after that, but you look at someone like Charles Howe III, who really never won a big tournament, but played for 25 years on the turn and still making a lot of money. So it, it's kind of hard to pick which one to choose from, but but just kind of compare and contrast the two different styles in those careers, Woody. Well, and, and guys, we don't know about injuries. We don't know about family matters. There is a lot of things that take a guy off the PGA Tour. It, it, it could be the yips. I, we don't know. We don't know what happens. If you had to ask the question, do I think it's more impressive to have longevity on the PGA Tour or a big win, I would say it's more impressive to have longevity. And the reason why I say that is to keep yourself healthy, to keep your mind from becoming one big mass of goo because you got so many ups and downs and life throws all kinds of things at you and all through that you've got to be still able to play golf okay charles powell going 25 years is so impressive to me and to always be always have kept his card that to me is more impressive other people will say winning a major is more impressive i'm sure but I'd, I'm going to go with the guy with longevity, T. That's what I would say. And then the other question you have to ask if we're asking if we're doing this Ryder Cup format type deal is, you know, Kevin Tway won a U.S. Junior, and, and Willie Wood had probably the greatest amateur career other than Tiger Woods, right? And so, if you're doing a Ryder Cup deal and and actually playing it out, you might throw one of those guys in there too. Talk about them, Woody. Well, we've always talked about the fact that you got guys that play match play very well, okay? 
Well, obviously, if you've won a major event in match play, like Kevin won that U.S. Junior and has played good in match play tournaments, same with Willie Wood, phenomenal match play player, okay? Uh, Burplank was a hell of a match play player. Mm -hmm. Don't think he was. So you'd almost look at the format. And what's so hard to look at is these guys were talking about when they were in their prime. Not now. Of course, Charlie Coe's gone. But uh, in their prime, you would be amazed how much this list might differ. I might go back to some of those guys I was telling you that that were OSU when I was there. They could flat-ass play that never made any impact on the PGA Tour. But promise you, when Lindy Miller was in college, he wanted no part of Lindy Miller. I, I tell us about against, his game. He's one of those guys that I don't know a whole lot about, Woody. Oh, gosh, dang. I mean, the, the, the simplicity. He hit this nice – he hit a little draw shot, and he hit it with every club in his bag. It was just the prettiest little – just about a two-yard draw. Had a real strong grip, kind of a goofy little dipped his left shoulder as he took the club back. But, I mean, just as solid. But what he could do was putt. Oh, my goodness gracious. I've never seen anybody putt as good as Lindy Miller did when I was playing at OSU and played college golf with him. He was just absolutely phenomenal. So, But I'm telling you, there's a handful of people that know Lindy the way like Tom Jones is one that knows him as well as I did. Uh, he was so good. It was ridiculous. Ridiculous. There's just so many players, guys, that, and even players that we hadn't mentioned that are, and, and someone who we didn't mention who I thought about after the show too is Bob Gellerman and, and Charlie yep, Saxon, Max Agrivi, those, those list of guys I know you, who, who pretty much started along with Abraham Anter started uh, Ryan Hibble's uh, career so far at the University of Oklahoma. So I definitely think those guys need to get a lot of credit there as well. And I, I feel like there's even players going back to even when OSU started. I mean, like Mike Holder back when he played. I mean, there's, there's just so many guys who we could go back in a time machine and, and just go it off. And there's just – I mean, we could have so many 12-man teams go against each other. It would be super cool if we could get on the uh, the PGA Tour 2K game and somehow be able to simulate this. Yeah, that would be I really cool. You guys, go ahead. You guys both of us, and I just thought of his name, that we didn't – nobody put it on there. Well, how about Mark Hayes? That's a good one. Yeah. Now, Mark Hayes. Now, Woody, do you think he was, you know, a better player or golf course designer? Uh, but much better player. Much better player. <laughs> okay. Mark- <laughs> Is that saying he's a good player, Woody, or his course design sucks? Well, I'm just saying when you put those two together, I I got nothing against Mark's design work. I thought Mark was pretty good at designing, but when you compare his playability, oh Lord, he won a tournament players' championship. Wow. He played on a Ryder. Okay, and and I just thought of that when C. Dub was talking about go back, and when I was thinking about Labor and Harris guys that was there when I was being recruited. I mean, now I Woody, I got to stop you right there, Woody. Now I told the story that I heard from uh, a former OSU player that we both know very well. He said that the most famous Labor and Harris story that he can think of back in the day. He told me this when I was in high school. He said. The horse who shits the first does not always shit the most. And so Labron Harris sounded like a character to play for. Yeah, Labron Harris, he was, if you really look, Labron was a guy that when he recruited kids, he recruited a kid and hoped he'd become a good player. Mike Holder recruited a kid that was already a good player, and if he didn't say that, he didn't care. Okay? Yeah. And I 
I can be honest with that because Older told us when I'm my recruiting class in 1975, there was a guy named Rod Knuckles, a guy named Brett Harrison, and myself. And he got us in a room and he said, let me tell you something. Between you three, one of you is going to flunk out, one of you is going to fall in love, and one of you is going to be a player, and I really don't give a damn which one does what. <laughs> Hello. All right. Talk about hit you right between the eyes. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and nice talking to you, too. And and they, they believe it, when he's recruiting, he didn't tell you that. But uh, I think that uh, Labor and Harris, I laughed. The only thing I'll tell you, one story that I was when I was at school at OSU, Labor and Harris, we used to practice at Lakeside Municipal Golf Course. And there was a field to the north of the golf course that was literally that. It was a pasture with cedar trees on it that you hit behind when the wind was blowing 50 so you could stand up and hit your balls, okay? <laughs> and you hit your own practice balls, guys. You hit your own practice balls, and then you went and picked them up. You bounced your wedge into your bag, and you walked out, and then you hit them again, okay? Times have changed since when I played golf. Old Labor and Harris used to be out there all the time still hitting balls, and he was just short of dead then. And, I mean, he was old. And then when you're an 18 year old kid, he was ancient. He's probably my age. <laughs> so, yeah, I like there too. So he would come out with a different driver, damn near every day. And he'd call you over and he said, "Watch this one. It's going further. I know this one's going further." And they weren't. They were going the same distance. Okay, that not a one of them looked any different. But he was hell-bent on being able to hit it further. Even then, in 1975, guys, everybody wanted to hit it further. And I told him one day, I'll never forget, I said, Coach, what you ought to do instead of hitting up the hill, why don't you go and on the other side and hit down the hill, and that way you will hit it further. <laughs> and he looked at me and he goes, I don't really like you, boy, but I do like you. <laughs> <laughs> Off I went. And I guess he probably told Holder that story and Holder said, Yeah, that's that smart ass I recruited and why I did I don't know. So but I want me to hit it further, so why wouldn't you hit downhill? Doesn't that make sense to you guys? Makes complete sense. I couldn't imagine I couldn't imagine watching Labor and Harris and Woody together. Those conversations had to be legendary. Yeah, we should have taken them. They, they would have. They would have sold somebody some to somebody. I don't know who'd want them, but they were entertaining. Well, boys, speaking of hitting it farther, Bryson DeChambeau came out this past week and says he is regretful of the bulking regimen. He said, "I had massive mood swings." Now, guys, does this? beg the question that he does he realize what he said there now you know popularized by the MLB there was massive mood swings from guys that were using PEDs in the early 2000s now I'm not saying it Bryson said it right now does it beg the question T-Dub 100% it does I think if we don't ask the question I, I think even before he said this we asked the question now it almost solidified it it's like he pretty much pleaded guilty is, is what it sounded like. And, and, and okay, good for him, man. I mean, he, he bulked up. And, and the question we had was, was is, is it going to come down to injuries and, and make his career shorter? We just had – Willie just brought up the conversation of longevity versus uh, win a big tournament. It seems like Bryson's kind of on that track right now unless he can kind of turn it around and get it back. So, I, I don't know, Woody. It seems to me like he, he's he, – yes, him gaining a little bit of distance was good. 
but I think it's fairly clear, and even to Bryson, that he took it way too far. Oh, no doubt. I mean, we got the – you know how they make that that statement? Somebody will say, yeah, that's on steroids. You know, when, you, it's, when it's over the top, something bigger and better than the other guy. Well, <laughs> there's a reason we use that phrase because if, if you guys don't think he was taking some kind of roids, Oh well, I won't even go there because it it, it 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 you just got your head in the sand. <laughs> There's nobody can bulk up like that by drinking milkshakes. Okay, uh, yeah, I call <laughs> bullshit on that. Okay, so, but I'm a realist. I'm not one of these guys. I, you know, I see black, I see white. I'm good with it. I don't, I don't, I don't go. Okay, yeah. There's no roids involved. Uh maybe not. Yeah, guys, to me, it's one of those things, if he did use them or didn't use them, I think Bryson, the point of him saying that was, I, I tend to agree with T-Dub, I think that Bryson might deal with injuries throughout his career a little bit more than other players might, and you know, other guys that we've seen hit it far in the past, like a Phil Mickelson or, or a Bubba Watson, they do it through flexibility, and Bryson is going to lose flexibility, especially when he gets older, and so I don't know if it was the best career move for Bryson uh, as far as longevity goes, T-Dub. Well, it's such a fine line, right, because you think about it, and naturally you say the healthier you are, the longer that you'll play, and fitness is generally healthy, but if you take it too far, you obviously hurt yourself. Brooks Kepka kind of the same way and what's going on with him, just not to the same extent uh, that Brooks is. And just from just from all the, the energy and, and momentum you have to put into the ball, into your swing, and the unique positions that your your swing is in anyway, you're 100% right. Then the other guys you mentioned, the, the natural long bombers, the guys who are more long with their swing and more fluid as opposed to very fast and very – not not necessarily jabby, but just just you don't you don't look at Bryson DeSambo the same way you look at Ernie Yells or Fred Couples swing, right? It's right. just it's not even you know. So it's there's such a discrepancy there. So yeah, it would be. Let's put it this way: of all the people who had a, a decision to go to live to go ahead and get the get some money while it was there because didn't know how long they would play, Bryson's the number one candidate for that for sure. Now I will say. Coming up in the in the future, the near future, to me, I think Bryson DeChambeau will start playing some better golf even while he's on the live tour and, and into the majors. Now, I, I'm talking about more longevity as far as like when he's 45 years old. I don't know if we'll still see Bryson DeChambeau out there. Um, and if we do, it'll be a completely different game that he's playing. And Woody, that, that's kind of my next question is talking about this distance and, and everything. It's been the huge craze, right? Well, this is kind of patient zero, right, Woody? We've never actually seen someone test this out as far as bulking up for golf, right? It, it, Bryson and, and, you know, these guys on the tour right now are the first to do it. Do you think that they can still maintain that longevity into their mid-40s? I don't think they can if they do it like Bryson did. Um, you know, to me, it's really, really long, guys. Is that Rory McIlroy? Jim and Christmas, yep. and and I know it works out, but he hadn't gotten as into it as Bryson DeChambeau did. I think, I think what you're going to see is over the next few years, these guys are going to all be in better shape than they ever were when I played golf for a living. I mean, they came out with a fitness trader as I was a rookie out there second year, 
I didn't even know we had this son of a gun for two years. Uh, you know, it was there, but I walked by it on the way to the bar, I guess. I don't know what I, I missed. It. Okay. So, these guys now, though, are really gotten better at, at their physical fitness. They take better care of their bodies. So, I think the stretching, one of the reasons why I still think Rory McIlroy hits it so doggone far, guys, is that he's supple. I mean, he, he's got, even though that's a swing that produces 380-yard drives, it doesn't look that hard. So, because he turns so beautifully back and through the golf ball. So, the future is still going to be distance. is always going to be something that these guys are going to keep pushing the envelope, so to speak. But I think you've seen your one and only incredible hole type of situation where Bryson just took it over the top. And because he really didn't pay that big a dividend. But get right down to it. He won an open at Wingfoot, I know. But all in all, it, it really didn't make him all that much of a better player. In fact, I, made it, I think it made him worse player. Speaking of not paying dividends, guys, we'll end the show on this. Patrick Reed's lawsuit against the Golf Channel and Brandel Chambly has been dismissed. The defamation lawsuit has been dismissed by the judge, and it was for $750 million, uh, T-Dub. Do you have any thoughts on this? I did see that uh, Patrick Reed is now suing Shane Ryan Hatchett of the New York Post, Fox Sports, Doug Ferguson, and the AP to protect his loved ones from Shane, Doug, and the rest of the jackals who make their sorry, pathetic living spreading lies and false information about him. I mean, I, I don't think it's any shock to, to us, especially if this, this last lawsuit was dropped. I think we pretty much said it whenever it first came out. I just said, I don't see there's any any weight behind this, and especially the amount of money that was on the table, seven, how much ever million it was, 700 and something million. I mean, that's just unbelievable uh, amounts of money. And and the, the amount of, I don't understand how you come up with that amount of financial compensation. That's beyond my amount of knowing. But, uh, but yeah, this, this is definitely not a shock to me at all. What would have been a shock is if it actually went anywhere uh, with the judge and wouldn't have dismissed it. So, yeah, not uh, definitely not any any shock to my, uh, to my news of the world was. I would say, guys, that Patrick Reed <laughs> needs to go and uh, have big Thanksgiving, little Christmas, and then go either, I don't even know if he's religious or not, but he needs to go ask God for forgiveness and try to be a better person. And then hopefully in 23, he can pull that off because he's about as worthless as, uh, man, I, I can't say that on the radio. Okay, well, we'll move on. <laughs> yeah, it's a dicey <laughs> subject to even talk about for us. But, yeah, I guess the most shocking news of his uh, defamation lawsuit getting thrown out against the Golf Channel and Brandle is the fact that he uh, just went right around and, and is suing Shane Ryan, uh, Hatchet, New York Post, Fox Sports, and Doug Ferguson of the AP. <laughs> it's, just, it, it's like he will never let it go, uh, guys. So I guess we'll just see how it goes and then tell everyone everybody how it turns out so we don't get hit in the crossfires t-dub yeah i mean it seems like it doesn't matter if you just bring up patrick reed's name you could probably say he's the best golfer of all time and he'd still probably find some way to try to see you at this rate so yeah he's uh, he's earned himself a fast rate to just say let's just go ahead and not talk about him let's not even let's just forget that he's even in the tournament except for the the one or two times that he'll get up at the top of the leaderboard of a live event 
No doubt about it, guys. Great show today, Woody and Taylor Williams. And we'll be back on Wednesday to talk about Thanksgiving because we don't really have a PGA. We don't have a PGA Tour event to talk about. We have the what? Australian Open this week, T-Dub. Am I right about that? I think it's the Australian PGA. Australian and, uh, PGA. Then there's, then, then there's the Joe Berg Open on the, P, on the European Tour. I'm not even sure who's in that field. But, uh, yeah, this is definitely the point of the year. Well, we'll have the hero and stuff coming up with Tiger, so that'll definitely uh, keep December busy. But generally for the world of golf, this is where it definitely starts to slow down very rapidly until Kapalua. This is the absolute okay. off-season, guys. And, and we'll talk about on Wednesday, our we'll, we'll have to make a list, our top five Thanksgiving foods, because I know that Woody has a crazy uh, Thanksgiving coming up. Uh, Woody, I mean, just give the people a little teaser for Wednesday as far as what you have for Thanksgiving. Well, you got to come back on Wednesday because I'm going to tell you a story about Australia. It's <laughs> okay. one of the best. It, okay. It's still, if you go to Australia today, there will be people that will tell you about the crazy guy that was qualifying for the uh, Coca-Cola tournament at uh, Royal Melbourne. And it'll be <laughs> me because Ian Baker Finch reminded me of it one day. So <laughs> the other thing I was going to tell you is uh, once I got married for a second time, I Thanksgiving, if you guys don't ever get divorced because it's a pain in the butt. Trust me, it is. It's a pain in the pocket. But I'm sure it is. Uh, and once you get divorced, then your holidays turn into just a shit show. Sorry for that on there, but that's what they turn into. And uh, so my second bride and I did love each other to death. At least I love her. I don't know if she loves me, but um, we have, we have a, a tradition. We have wonton. And what you, if you don't know what a wonton is, come back on Wednesday, and that's what I'm going to tell you about because I didn't know what a wonton was until she showed me. So <laughs> you got to come back on Wednesday just for all the funny stuff I'm going to tell you. Perfect, perfect. You can hear about wonton Woody on Wednesday here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. <laughs>